Hello, this is James Ippolitti, host of Out of Silence. I wanted to jump in just to let you know that you may hear that it is the Songsmith Podcast or Creativity Gurus Podcast. Season one of both of those have been combined to the name Out of Silence, and that will be the name moving forward for any interviews that I have about creativity. So don't be confused. Songsmith Podcast and the Creativity Gurus is now under one brand, Out of Silence. Peace. Greetings, Hepcats. On this edition of Creativity Gurus, I speak with Andrea Earhart. She is a fine artist, a muralist, and host of the Artist Academy Podcast. She is a wealth of information when it comes to the business of art. I really had a great time with this. I think you don't have to be a fine artist to learn from her. She has so much just great advice. So no matter what your craft is, you're going to learn something. If you like what I do, please give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. Let's be internet friends. And now, let's get to my interview with Andrea Earhart on this edition of Creativity Gurus. My guest today is Andrea Earhart, fine artist and muralist. She has worked with organizations like Bass Pro Shops, Big Brothers Big Sisters, Duck Commander, The Dickerson Zoo, and many more. She started the Artist Academy to help aspiring and established artists who want to level up their art business. So welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you. Hi, thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk about my favorite subject, which is art. <laughs> I know, right? So um, I want to go back. I heard on an, um, another interview with you that you went to college for business before yeah. switching to painting. But before that, were you doing art before you went to college? Yeah. So I think I was like most of us artists in the beginning, you know, in like second grade or whatnot, you get kind of pointed out like, oh, she could have something, you know. And so I kind of grew up like thinking that, you know, I had some kind of art ability, but never thinking that I could actually make a job out of it or earn money. And I'm very ambitious and I just wanted really big things out of life. And so I was like, okay, art is not the way to go, which is funny. <laughs> no, no way. Like I need to do big things. I want to maybe be a CEO of a company or something. And so at, in college, I decided to major in general business. So I could hit, you know, I did a bunch of marketing classes, accounting, and just had like a broad general overview of business. And it wasn't until my second year in college that I was like, you know what? I think my high school art teacher just has the best art job in the world. Like she just gets to paint every day. Because again, I just didn't think that I could paint for a living. I was like, okay, maybe I can just teach. And right. I, I definitely have a love for teaching. And so then I started majoring in art, art education. And then towards the end of my college time, I just kind of noticed that I didn't have the same love for teaching younger kids like everybody right. everybody else did. And I really just wanted to see what I could do in the painting world or the business world or something. I, I really didn't know. So I graduated college 
uh, with a painting degree. And I remember saying, okay, great. I have a degree in coloring. What the heck am I going to do with this? (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, it's just kind of funny how things have worked out. I've always gone in the direction of things I like. I like teaching, you know, I like painting and I like business. And it's so funny to me how I never planned to make it full circle and be using all of those nowadays. It's just, it's so funny how things work out. Yeah. And you know, I always say to artists, they should take some business classes or something. I mean, that is the one thing that people just don't get. Like you could be amazing at your craft, but if you want to make a business, you're going to have to know business. Now, I know, you know, I think people might get discouraged sometimes when they see, I mean, you do some amazing art, but what was your art like at college? Like, how, how have you progressed? Were you that good in college? <laughs> no. And it's so funny because now it's so apparent to me that the more hours you have, the better you are, which is why you know, all the older artists that are in their you know, 60s, 70s, that are just amazing. They've had so many hours. And so, yeah, right. they're going to be so much better than us. So whenever I see someone that's ahead of me or way better than me, I'm like, ah, I have time. And that's honestly what I think. I'm like, they just have way more hours than I do. But yeah, I remember in high school specifically, I would spend all day trying to make the sky and the clouds and trying to make it work and blending and it wouldn't work and it would dry so fast and I would just get so aggravated. And then in college, I always loved to paint big. Even in college, I had really big canvases that I would use. I really didn't care about the small stuff. I would just go really big. And it's just so funny how now I'm doing murals. And like I said, it just kind of builds upon itself and you end up where you should be if you're listening to yourself. But yeah, I just painted really big. But no, I struggled with it a lot. I really forced myself to learn how to blend. And it's there was just so many steps to figure out how to paint. But really, it really just comes down to, you know, finding a really good reference photo and copying it and copying it the best way you know how. And the, you know, my progress from five, five years ago, 10 years ago, even has, you know, I've just gotten so much better. (laughs) And every year I'll I'll look back at stuff and think, Oh, I thought that was really good. And like, Oh, you know exactly where I could improve that now. So, Are you like an eternal optimist though? Because I mean, when I listen to your podcast, I'm like, God, I could be in the worst mood and listen to your podcast and all of a sudden it feels like it's a bright sunny day. Oh like, good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, that makes me so happy. <laughs> well, like, are you just uh, one of those people who are optimistic? Um yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I just I don't know. I just although I don't know. I don't know where that came from exactly, but I think more so on the podcast is I'm talking about things that I love. And so when you're talking about something you love, you're excited about it. And, Mm -hmm. but I'm definitely not like that 24 hours a day, (laughs) normally very quiet, just very reserved. And I just, yeah, I'm definitely not smiling all day. (laughs) Are you, um, are you using oil or like, I don't know, like a mural, obvious blending with oil on, on a canvas versus brick. I mean, what, what paints do you use? So I'm an all acrylic kind of gal. Okay. I, I love that they dry fast, even though in the beginning it was really tough. And I've tried oil. I've tried a bunch of different stuff. And I think that's really important to try all the different things, watercolor, sculpture, all of it. Mm-hmm. Before you land on your thing, I really love acrylics. It's just, I don't know, the 
oil, there's just so much dry time and it's just but isn't it harder chemical. to blend? Like, isn't it harder to blend acrylics? Um, kind. Do I you just, use that method that people use to slow the drying? Do you use that? Like, what they, people put stuff in the acrylics to slow drying time? Oh uh, nope. I am no. Like, wow. Very fast <laughs> painter. Yeah, I'm just a very fast painter, and I like to work in layers. So a lot of the times when I'm painting something, I'll put the whole canvas down in one layer and then I'll do another layer on top of it and then another layer. And that's just how I've taught myself slash learned how to paint. We did a lot of oils in college and I I don't know, I think I just had more practice with acrylic because Mm -hmm. right out of college, I would just use the, the acrylics on windows and murals and then working for Bass Pro, everybody there used interior latex paint and Novas, which are all acrylic. And so I just, yeah, that's just what the, what I have the most practice in, I guess. And so when you get you have more practice, you get faster and yeah, just working in layers. All right. So um, let's talk about I, like how you got started painting. Like I'm the opposite of you. If I'm going to draw or anything like that, I do small. I like small. Like <laughs> When I see you on those like lifts going up high of buildings, that I'm afraid of heights, so I could never do what you do. <laughs> um, but uh, where did that start? Like all of a sudden, um, I'm going to start painting big murals. Well, I'm also scared of heights. <laughs> no, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I'm also very scared of heights, and wow. yeah, it takes me a while to get used to being up there. And but once you're up there for so long. It's kind of like you just you just get used to it, and mm-hmm. you know a lot of the lifts have like a a swaying thing, especially in the wind. Mm-hmm. They'll get moved a lot, or sometimes if wow. they're if they're reached out too far, and I move, it'll it'll move the whole thing. So at first I'm just like gripping onto it, <laughs> but then wow. after a while, after a while I'm kind of just like bouncing around up there. <laughs> it's okay. just a little, like like I mentioned with painting, it's just the more time you spend with it, the the easier it gets. <laughs> But um, yeah, murals started with Bass Pro Shops. I started off doing people's logos around town, so businesses' logos, because that's just what people asked for. And I just that's just the niche that I fell into. I started. I said yes to everything. So, As, so, but but at what point does somebody say? I, did you walk up to them, knock on the door, and say, "Can I paint a, your logo on the side of your building or um, somewhere in the town?" I think it came where I was posting some, let's see, how was the the first one got started? Because, so I I mentioned, I love, I love business. I'm Mm -hmm. a born, a born entrepreneur kind of a thing, kind of a thing. So my job before I was painting was basically do promotional marketing, um, which is like a fancy word for like the girls who stand in front of cars at car shows. <laughs> like, and I started out doing that. And then I had my own little promotional marketing team to where, you know, people would hire me and then I would like employ different girls to go out and do different shows. Anyway, I had my first customer through that. That's, I met a lot. And, you know, put wigs on and were women, but um, in terms of, there being more characters and more work out there for women, that, that definitely improved. And uh, I, you know, I, I think I've been a part of it as in I've been around when that's happening. I, I don't think I can take credit for it. I mean, I would love to take credit for it. I don't think I can, but I think I'm definitely one of the people that's growing up in a pretty integral 
time for women in action, you know, and uh yeah, I mean if I can if I can bust in a little bit further I would I would love to sort of open up a slightly different area of it and you know. Yeah, I mean no, that's me that sorry, what? Oh, uh, you can go on. I was gonna bring something up but Well about the, like, the All right, Cal, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I can't even remember what the fuck I was going to say now. Well, I'll just go into what I was going to say. You know, it, in the film Double Dare, uh, there's mm. a moment in where you actually get the call that Tarantino wants you for uh, Kill, Bill. Kill Bill. Yeah. And it's just this amazing moment in that film where you're like, wow, this is, this is huge because this is Tarantino. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you ever think back when that call came that you would be – at where you are now, like going, like not you said, you didn't want to, you don't want to be an actress, right? Yeah, not in a million years. I mean, I mean, you know, when I left New Zealand, it never even occurred to me I would be a stunt double on one of his movies. But I mean, it really, it really sort of, uh, I, and I, I think to be honest, if someone had said, you're going to go to America and this is going to happen, you're going to become an actress and you're going to do this and that, I, I think there would have been, at that point back then in my life, I think I probably would have been hesitant. I probably I don't know if I would have wanted it, which is really interesting in hindsight. But I'm really glad that it's coming to me at the age it is because I've had long enough to spend with myself and figure out who I am and why I like myself and what kind of people I I need around me and you know all of that sort of stuff where I stand in the world and get my priorities sorted before this crazy world of, of movie making and, and being an actress and stuff like that. Um, but I would have never never guessed it. I mean, I knew Quentin. Quentin had conversations with me on Kill Bill about he wanted me to be more approach it like an actress when I was a stunt double. He wanted to know what my motivation was. He wanted me to have, you know, um, a reason for beating up these guys. And, and uh, so it, it definitely started there, but I had no clue that his little brain was little brain. His huge brain was coming up with <laughs> yeah, right. an idea. <laughs> Well then, so I, I guess when you got on the set of Death Proof and started working with that, did the bug just hit you? That was just like this is this is great. Being the you actor. know what, it, it was really I loved Death Proof and I really enjoyed that process. And I would I would make a hundred Death Proofs. And the minute we started shooting that, I knew I would shoot a hundred Death Proofs. The whole the acting, the wanting to be an actor thing, to be completely honest, scared the shit out of me, and I was really hesitant for about the first year. It was sort of a, um, it didn't scare me, like made me afraid it, well, in a timid way, but it was sort of a, uh, I mean. Do you it, think that, it, I was, do you think being a stunt woman and for all these years having these people who you're subbing for, was there something in your head that was like, but I'm not an actor? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I should know my place. Like, was that ever yeah, in your head? Like, definitely. There was definitely like a having to break the mold that I realized I, I realized now that I had placed on myself. It wasn't, it wasn't about whether I could do it or shouldn't do it, couldn't do it. It was like, that's, I don't know if that's... Yeah, because as a stunt woman, technically you're seen and not heard, which is unfortunate. Right. It's not the case with me because I'm just a loud enough. But, you know, I'm the <laughs> yes man. You, you never have to wait for me. If you want something, I will do my best to make it work. That's just part of the stunt mentality, you know. So suddenly yeah. being an actor is like, People are offering to get you coffees, and they want they're putting in a bigger tra- like things like that. That often to begin with, and even now I still get a little bit. Sort of almost makes me feel uncomfortable, like I'm like I'm stepping outside of my my lines or something, you know. And the other part too was I was really comfortable 
and confident with what I had to offer as a stunt woman. I mean, I, there's still to this day, there's heaps of shit I can learn, but I was really, right. I, you know, I knew where I stood with my identity as a stunt woman. With being thrown into whether I want to be an actress or not was it was really daunting, you know. And I was like, shit. What? And the other thing is, what if I really want it and then I go after it and I'm fucking terrible at it and nothing happens? How depressing would that be? You know, that was that was a big part of it too. Yeah, I would say it's intimidating. It's one thing if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm making this, you know, $100,000 indie film and I want you to act. But when you have Tarantino coming and you're working against Kurt Russell, Rosario Dawson, I mean, you've got these people that are just amazing. And I must I can understand the intimidation there. And and you you know what's ironic, actually, is on the set of Death Proof, I wasn't wasn't affected so much by that, that intimidating those intimidating presences because they were so supportive and everything was so comfortable and warm and lovely. And, you know, I definitely had days where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? This is amazing. <laughs> this is Most of the time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm beating up Kurt Russell. Um, yeah. What is going on right now? Where, where am I? What happened to my world? But the intimidating part came after that, which was the, okay, now I have to decide whether I want it or not. And now I'm, now I'm joining the ranks of hundreds of other women that have been doing this for way longer than I have that, you know, have been wanting it for way longer than I have, and now I have to fight for it. And that was the scary part. Because, you know, if, if you have to fight for it and you fail, then that's disappointing. If you, if, if you just happen to be given something, there's something sort of, you know, and it wasn't just that. Obviously, he feels I deserved it, and I worked my ass off for it. I just didn't know that that's right. what was But it was, the thing, it was that, like, decision to go, right, I have to really decide I want this. And there's a risk that I'm going to fail, and that's, Especially when you've been relatively successful at what you've been doing for however long, stepping out of where you know you're safe is, is uh, you know, it's a little bit frightening. But I would also have to believe that someone in your position, someone with your character who's going to sit there and say, I'm going to jump off a building or do whatever, even if you have safety harnesses, you're the type of person that's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I might fail, but if I don't, I'm never going to know. So. Yeah, that's where I came to, but I've got to be honest, it took me a good year of, like, I mean, and it wasn't a conscious, like, thought process. It was more like I could just feel I was very hesitant, and it took me. Do you know what it was? Angel of Death was exactly that decision for me. Angel of Death, when they said, we want you to do this, we need you to read for it. When I felt mm-hmm. my stomach kind of turn to, like, millions of butterflies, right. I was like, okay, this is it. This, this scares the shit out of me, but if I'm too chicken shit to do the audition for this show, then how the hell am I going to carry it as a lead? So I need to buckle up, I need to put in some hard work, and I need to do whatever it takes so that I'm not feeling like I'm not uncapable when I walk into the audition. And that was that was the decision that you were talking about. That was the moment that I went, I'm never going to know if I don't do this, so this is it. Give it 120 right. and let's go. That was the decision. That's why this angel of death thing is so important to me, I think. Well, I know I could speak for myself and probably a ton of Zoe Bell, Zoe Bell fans that we're very glad that you did decide to do this. Uh, oh, death. It's a lot of fun, and I can't wait to see you in all your other future films. And I hope it keeps going like this for you. I really, I mean, this has got to be a, you know, a dream come true as far as uh, actresses, you know. I mean, you've, yep. you've gotten there. Gotten the uh, stunt stuff down, and I think that's what it is. I think that's why Jackie Chan's so popular for so long was that people watch him and he's doing his own stunts. Yeah, you know, and and people dig that. You know, they like to see that authentic uh, the authenticity of it. And I yeah, think that's I think what it's you even unconscious. I think sometimes people don't even realize that they're thinking it's, they know it's the same person. It's just on some instinctive level, 
as humans, we, we know when we're watching something that's authentic, you know? Yeah. Would you mind doing a, a bumper for our show right now, just saying, hi, this is Zoe Bell, and you are li- listening to This Is Some Scene? Uh, yeah, absolutely. What am I saying? You're listening to what? This Is Some Scene. This Is Some Scene. Scene, S-C-E-N-E. This Is Some yep. Scene. That's what I'm just saying. This is Zoe Bell, and you're listening to This Is Some Scene. Very good. Yep. All right, well. Thank you so much for calling in. Oh, and was that it? Time. I love it. Oh, that was just me practice. That was me checking I was saying the right thing, but it, it was good enough. Oh, no, no. You want to do it again? Go right ahead. Yeah, I, was, I was like, I was meant to be like, is it like this? And you're like, perfect. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, okay. Hi, this is Zoe Bell, and you're listening to This Is Some Scene. Great. Nice. That was so. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to try as much until you're happy with it, that's fine with me, but um, it works for me. Oh, no, that was good. I, I, I'm, I'm just being a bit sarcastic. It's a cultural thing. I can't help myself. Yep. Well, this show actually airs globally uh, when it comes on Monday, so all your family and friends from New Zealand can tune in. And oh, really? Yeah. I'll, I'll send uh, the link over to your publicist uh, so they can, she can have that. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be great. Let you know when it's going to air. Um, but once again, I love what you're doing. Keep it up. And, you know, uh, if you have anything else you want to plug it sometime in the future and you want to call back in, we'd love to have you. Oh, cool. I appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. All right. Oh, Thanks again. And uh, You're welcome. All right. Have a good day. Okay. Bye, buddy. Bye-bye.